Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. How many of you have ever been on a job interview? What's some of the questions you ask on a job interview? What's one of the first things you ask about on a job interview? How much I'm going to get paid, right? You don't ask that first? No? <laughs> don't you want to know? Well, if, you, if you go to a, a good job interview, they probably give you a job description before you go in so you know what's going on. And then as you go along, you know, the interview is not just for you. It's also for you to interview the employer also. And so make sure you want to work for that company. And so when you get down to find out what all your requirements are on your job and what you're going to be doing and how you're going to do it, then you start asking some other questions like, uh, what kind of benefits do I get on this job? And you might, maybe you want to know, uh, of course, you want to know your salary. You want to know uh, how it's paid out. Are you bi-weekly or if it's every week or what, is it, what it is? You might want to know some important things about when do I get a vacation? Can I start that today? And then, you know, you want to know about your medical benefits. And so we, we, need to, we need to find out about all the benefits. Well, did you know that when you get into the kingdom of God, you also have benefits? And many people don't stop to think about that, but did you know that... According to First Peter or Second Peter one four, we have exceedingly great and precious promises or benefits, and so we need to know we need to know what those benefits are. If you'll go with me over to Colossians, I want to read a little bit there. You guys are probably there already because you got your phones. I'm old school. I use my Bible. Go to Colossians 1, verse 9 through 14, we're going to read. For this reason also, we, since, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be, ta- be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. So you've been, all, you've been brought into the saints of light and you are a partaker in all the benefits and the promises. If you go over to 1 Peter, we're going to be over in that area a little bit today. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse, we'll start at verse 10. It says, Of this salvation, prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, 
things which angels desire to look at. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Keep that, keep that thought there because we're going to come back to that. Gird up, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we're going to need to gird up our minds in some things. Now let me read uh, verse 14 to you. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. That's not saying you trying to be holy. It's saying that because God is holy, he's already made you holy. Because if you belong to God, if you belong to Christ, Christ is holy, and if you belong to him, you are holy. Not by your holiness, but by Christ's holiness. So we have been qualified in, in all three of the basic covenants of the Bible. And you might want to know what those covenants are. There are some more, there are some more covenants that you can look through too also, but I'm going, to, I'm going to stick with three main ones that we usually know about. The first one is the covenant Abraham cut with God. Did you know Abraham never had any, any written word at all? He just knew that he heard God. Abraham heard God's voice. And he, he, never, he never read about God. He never had anybody tell him about God. He heard God's voice. And so the only things that Abraham actually knew about God is he knew God could make him rich. And he learned some things through walking and following after God. So he learned some things about God. First of all, he, he found out that his herds and his cattle and all that were greatly increasing because he was following God. He also found out that he could make the, the impossible possible. Remember, he had a child when he was 100, and his wife was yet 90. And he trusted that God could raise the dead, because God asked him to sacrifice his son, and he'd already told Abraham that I'm gonna, through your son, I'm going to multiply you. And so he's saying, well, how am I going to do that, God? But I don't know how that's going to work, but I know this. If you read about that, when Abraham and Isaac headed up, started up the mountain, Abraham told his servants, wait here, the lad and I will be back. He said that. So over in 1 John 2.27, I want to show you something. I don't know how many of you ever caught this, but I want to show it to you today. Verse 27, but the anointing you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So if you've got questions, you don't necessarily need to go ask everybody what they think about it. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to talk to you, the anointing. Talk to him. You need to make sure what you're hearing, you do have a written word, so you need to look, look and, and seek that out and find that out and make sure that you're in line with what the written word says. You don't want to come up and say, well, God said this, and you know that's not what he said. You, you, maybe you've been in need of money and you think, well, God said go rob that store. Well, that's not going to work. 
Now, we know we're, we're smarter than that, and I use extremes to go that way, but sometimes, you, you know, maybe we come up with smaller things. Maybe you need money, and you think, well, God maybe said, go get my credit card and go get it. Maybe you ought to just wait. Just wait a minute and hear what God has to say. You know, um, Abraham had a lot of teaching from God. I mean, he actually did see God. God came down on the earth and cut the covenant with Abraham. God, Abraham actually seen that happening. Let's talk about a few of the benefits. Some of the benefits we have. Number one is uh, all sins are forgiven. What does 1 John 1.29 say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then we have, uh, let's go over to Romans. We're going we're gonna to stop here for a little bit, but let's go over to Romans. And look at Romans chapter 3. And we're going to read 23. Some of the benefits. God has forgiven us. Remember, God has forgiven all our sins. And, and many of us will... We'll go to the 23rd verse of chapter 3 of Romans and say, Oh, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they're quick to stop there. They're very quick to stop there when they say that. You need to finish out and read 24 through 20, read 24 through 26 also. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate that the, at the present time his righteousness, that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. So you've been justified. You've been forgiven of sin. You've, yeah, you may have sinned in the past, but you've been forgiven of all that. All your sin has been forgiven. It's been washed away. You know, a lot of times people, have you ever heard testimony, people give testimonies about how bad they were in the past before they met Jesus? You know, God doesn't really get any glory out of that. What, what, a, what a jerk you were. <laughs> you know, oh, I was such a jerk, I used to do this and this. No, God doesn't really care about that. And, and you know something else? If while you're giving that testimony and, and then you turn around and you say, well, I, you know, God, do you remember? He'll say no. He said, do you remember when I did that thing, God? He said, no, what thing? I don't remember that. Only people remember that. Only you remember that. Sometimes your husband and wife won't let you forget it. <laughs> they bring it up every time you have an argument. But you did this. Well, I'm glad you're not God. I'd be a crispy critter right here. But I did do some stuff. But you know, God doesn't get glory out of all that. And then we go, then we're quick to go over to Romans 6.23. We're real quick about this. When somebody does something evil, and we only want to read half of it. For the wages of sin are death. You know, we're quick, to, we're, we're quick to point that out, you know, when somebody does something to us. All right, God's going to get you. If, you'd, if God wanted to get you, you'd already been God. He's not after you. But let's read the rest of the verse. 
But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the wages of sin, yeah, they're death. I mean, stupidity brings death. I mean, you, you, might think, you might think you can get out and jump off a building, but, you know, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I laugh at these guys that do all these daredevil stunts and they get hurt and they wonder, how'd that happen? You know, I thought I had this all planned out, but they get hurt. So we're forgiven of all our sins, and no matter what anybody else says, we are forgiven of all our sins. Do you know when Jesus died on the cross, every sin that ever committed or what will be committed has been forgiven? Yes. Every one. Yes. Not one has been left out. Nope. Every single one. You can't think of something that God won't forgive. Okay? And then uh, let's see here. The second benefit we have is God remembers your sin no more. Remember, only other people do. Psalms 103, verse 11 through 12 says, God takes our sin and throws it as far as the east is from the west. How many of you have a compass in your car? If you were to take your compass, let's see, east is that way. So if you were to take, get in your car and start driving that way and just kept your compass on east, or if you were a going to walk and you had a compass in your hand and just started walking east. How long would you have to walk before you started walking west? Probably when you got to West Virginia, right? No, it doesn't work that way. You could walk all the way around the globe and come back to the same spot you're standing and never once walk west. So God doesn't remember that sin. He just gets rid of it. He doesn't want to remember it. Do you want to remember the bad stuff your kids did? No. Do you want to remember the bad stuff you did? No. How many lay awake at night and think, oh, if I wouldn't have done that, I'd have been someplace else? You know, you need to, we're, we're going to get to that in a little bit. And then in Hebrews 12, 8, 12, it says, let me get over there and read it to you. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Aren't you glad you don't have to pay for any of that? I mean, that'd be an expensive bill, wouldn't it? And I don't have, we don't have to pay for that. Another, the third benefit we get is God is not angry, not even, a, not even a bad, in a bad mood towards you. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us about the thoughts God has for us. What are they? For good for, and not for evil. And then in Psalms 145, I'll have to go over there and read that one. Psalm 145 verses uh, 8 and 9. I know, Chuck, get an iPad. You'll be there already. <laughs> Pages don't stick together on your iPad, do they? 145, verse 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. So he's not even, he's not even going to be mad at you. Okay? And then he qualifies you. Qualifies you for all the inheritance. And we're going to get back to some more of the inheritance in a minute. Colossians 1.12 says, He qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. Who wants to be a partaker of the inheritance? 
Yeah. And then another, another benefit says, he holds you and never lets you go. Let's go back over to Philippians 3, verse 12. It says, not that I have already attained or am about already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So Jesus is holding on to you. He's, not gonna, he's never going to let you go. In Hebrews 8.11, it says, None of them shall teach his neighbor, all none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. So God is holding on to us, and he knows us. And then John 17, 20, 22 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So we're all, he's, not, he's holding on to us. He's taking care of us. Jude 24 tells us, verse 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before he, the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How do you keep somebody from stumbling? By holding on to them. All right? Now some of the other benefits we've qualified for, some of the other covenants we've qualified for, is the, is the covenant that Moses had. You say, uh-oh, Bud's ready to get up and leave right now. Where's he at? His wife told me Bud was going to leave if I got on the law. I think his wife was just wanting to get out early. But let's go over to Galatians. So many people are quick to dismiss this. Galatians chapter 3. The first verse we're going to read is verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to his promises. So that, that, falls, that brings us back to Abraham's covenant. But let's go to verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What have we been redeemed from? That's it, right? We've been redeemed from the blessing? No, we haven't. The blessings that fell under the law of Moses are still yours. You have not been redeemed from the blessing. You've been redeemed from the curse. If you go to Deuteronomy 28 and start reading, you'll see a few verses, you see about 13 verses that talk about the blessings. Then you got a whole bunch of verses talk about the curses. You can take all those cursing verses and say, no, that's not me. Those are not me. I'm not going to have sore boils. I'm not going to have mold. I'm not going to, my wife's not going to run off on me with some other man or anything like that. Those are all the curses, but the blessings are a great deal different. So you, if you, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon him, on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the blessings, it's the blessings that come upon us. You know, and remember, what Abraham knew he could do, we, God could do, he knew he could make him rich. He knew he could take care of his body. He knew he could take care, raise the dead. He knew he could heal sickness. He knew he could deliver him from his enemies. You know, 
Abraham had the first special forces. There, he had 300 soldiers that went and took back all, all the stuff that was invaded when they took Lot. 300. I think it was three kings that he took on with 300 men. So there is protection there and there is wisdom there. And then the new covenant or as we, we call it sometimes the covenant of grace but it's the new covenant. Let's go to Hebrews 8. Call it anything you want. Just get into it. Hebrews 8 and verse 7 through 13. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart, in their mind, write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins, and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That he says, A new covenant... He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So we got a new covenant now. The old one is gone. The old one is obsolete. You don't have to live under the covenant of the law. It's gone. You receive the benefits, but you don't receive any of the bad. So we we hear all these things and then we say, "Well, well, why don't I have all these things? Why am I missing out? Where's all the stuff that I'm missing out on? Let's go back. To, I told you we were going to go back to 1 Peter. Let's go back there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, so many times we have a problem receiving the benefits because we think we don't, owe, we don't earn them. We think we got to do something. We think we got to. We think we got to work at it. We think we got to please somebody over this. We got to do something different, but we don't. We need to begin to think like God thinks about us. God doesn't see the evil that we, that's been done. God only sees the good. God only sees the good. So many of us came out of the out of a teaching that we all receive our salvation by the grace of God. But then we had to, we had to make sure we, we were tithing and we were doing all this other stuff just to get something. You can't do anything to receive salvation. What makes, us, what makes us think that we have to be a tither to get, our, to get prosperity? What makes us think we have to go do something special to get healing? It's already been bought and paid for. Denny, if I told you, Denny, go down to Al Sarah's. I bought, I've got a brand new Buick picked out for you and it's all paid for. Are you going to go there and pay anything on it? No. That'd be silly, wouldn't it? I'm going to go get it. 
Yeah, you're going to go get it. That'd be, that'd be foolish. Now, how much do I owe, sir? Well, it's paid for. Well, I know it's paid for, but how much, what do I got to do to get it? You don't have to do nothing. Well, that, that's not right. I got to do something. I, I, I just don't take it for nothing. What do I got to do? You don't have to do anything. You have to start, you have to start thinking differently. Let's go to Ephesians 4.23 and let me show you something. Something that you do need to do. 4.23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do you do that? How do you get renewed in the spirit of your mind? If you've been thinking all this time, i got to do something, how do you get renewed in the spirit of your mind? You know, so many times we thought we got to confess the word over and over again. We got to meditate on the word and get right into it, and then God will do something for me. I'll, I'll, I mean, my words are creative words, and so if I just speak it enough, it'll be created. Well, no, all that speaking and meditating is not to get God to do anything. It's not to move angels. It's not to get God to do anything. It's to change your mind. It's to change your mind. The speaking and the meditating are because you think one way, and you're supposed to be thinking another way. See, so many times, and I've said this over and over again, so many times we try and tell people things, but you know who people believe more than anybody else? Themselves. You'll believe you before you believe anything I say. No matter what, no matter if, I'm the, if I have the experience and you don't agree with what I just said, you'll believe you before you'll believe me because you haven't seen it, you haven't done it, you don't know it. You've tried it maybe and it didn't work. But if, if somebody shows you it'll work, then you'll still have doubt. If, you, if you're set in your mind, that no, that's just not going to work that way. So what you have to do is start believing you better by start renewing your mind. Over in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, we need to start thinking different. We need to renew our minds. How do we renew our minds? We read our Bibles. You get in your Bible and you read it. You look at the promises and you read it. You look at the sacrifice that Jesus did for you and you read it and you meditate on it and you just sit there and think about it. And instead of watching something else, you think about this and watch this and play this over in your mind. Start meditating on things like the cross that Jesus bore. Just close your eyes and start thinking about how he walked up the hill with the cross on his back or how he was tied to a post and he was stripes on his back for our healing. Just see that. Just close your eyes and see that. Let's try that right now. Everybody just close your eyes. See, whatever picture you have in your mind of what a Roman soldier would look like, let, get that in your mind. And then, whatever picture of your, in your mind you have of a completely whole Jesus, put that in your mind. Now, put, put, put a Roman soldier on each side of him, taking him to Pilate, taking him to be scourged. And then, see in your mind there, where, uh, where there's a, a Roman soldier who's mad because he's living in Jerusalem instead of Rome. 
And he's the one that's got the cat of nine tails. Just see that in your mind. He's, he's standing there with that thing just hanging down. And they take the robe off Jesus' back and they tie him to a post so he can't get away. And this, this big, burly Roman soldier who's mad anyways pulls back with all his heart and all his mind and all his strength to take something out on this Jew. And he wails on his back. And that cat of nine tails, every time it's, he, he wails on his back, it sticks to his back. And he pulls it. And the flesh comes off his back. And he does that 39 times. Then they throw a robe back on him and, and make fun of him and mock him and and they give him a cross to walk up the hill with on his back. And he starts walking up the hill until exhaustion sets in and he can't carry it anymore. And a Roman soldier grabs a man from the side of the road and says, here, take this cross for this guy. And they kind of drag Jesus up the hill so even more. And, and Simon of Cyrene, he, he carries the cross up the rest of the hill. And they throw it down on the ground and put Jesus on the cross. And they get a mallet and some nails. And they nail it through his wrist. Put his feet together and nail them through his feet. And they stand across up and drop it down in a hole. And it just, whoo! And the pressure that puts on, his, on Jesus' body when it falls into that hole. And he, and he hangs there for hours. And he begins to quote the 22nd Psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 22nd Psalm. Keep your eyes closed and just think of this. Think, see Jesus saying this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear me. And in night season, I am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of me, of men, and despised by people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shake their head and say, He trusted in the Lord. Let, let him rescue him. Let him deliver him from, since... He delighted in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death, for the dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. 
All my strength has hastened to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name, my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. All who fear the Lord, praise him. And all you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all you offsprings of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard, My praise shall be in you, and in great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom of the Lord is, and he rules over all nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will become and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born. That he has done this. That's what Jesus was saying on the cross. That's what he was doing. He was praying for each and every one of us. He was prophesying for every one of us. So when we take and we think that we got to do something else to earn it, we're discounting what Jesus did. So we need to gird up our minds. We need to think differently. And we need to receive the benefits. We need to receive the benefits. Every one of them. Every benefit. Everything that God has given us, we need to make sure we get. Now that's going to take a little bit. But it's not impossible to do. See, as you go out this week, I encourage you to Spend more time in the Word, just a little bit, just a little more. Find you a verse this week that really speaks to your heart. And just stay on that verse all week long. Memorize it. Meditate on it. When you're all alone at work or something, just meditate on that verse. When you're at your house, instead of, you know, turning on the news or whatever it is you watch, meditate on that first for a little bit. Or when the news is bad and you don't like what one party's doing to the other party or you don't like one way or you don't like the president or you don't like Congress or you don't like somebody, meditate on that verse, whatever it is. Read the 22nd Psalm. Read it over and over again. Don't discount what Jesus has done for us. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that this word is is meant for us, Lord God. I thank you that this word is something that we can take and and put in our hearts and keep. Thank you, Lord God, that as we meditate on your word, as we mutter your word, as we confess your word over the, over the next weeks and over the rest of our lives, Lord God, that our thinking will change. We will gird up our mind. We will strengthen our mind. We will, we will put protections around our mind to keep the, keep the wrong things out and bring the right things in. And I thank you, Father God, that it's not hard to do and that we don't necessarily need a bunch of men to teach us what to say. We just need to know, have the Holy Spirit teach us what we need to hear for us. And I praise you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 
For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.